We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Team 980 always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Final hour of power here on this Tuesday edition of the Burgundy and Gold Today. Youngest in charge, move with Linnell Willingham. But taking you up to 3 o'clock before we dish the rock to the Hoffman Show. Before we do that, we got some business to handle. Huge, huge Sunday night showdown coming up with the New York Giants. It's a damn playoff game, according to me, man. And according to everybody else here locally as well. Big time situation for the Commanders on Sunday. We'll scout the opponent here now. Joining us right now on the Team 980 guest hotline, it is Dan Duggan, Giants beat writer for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at DDuggan21. What's going on, Dan? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am doing great, man. Excited for Sunday night's matchup. Before we look ahead uh, to this Sunday's matchup, can you take me back and hit the rewind button? What happened Sunday uh, at the Meadowlands against the Philadelphia Eagles? I turned Ugh. I turned the TV on. It was 0-0. The next thing I know, it was 21-0. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do we really need to relive that? That was uh, <laughs> painful enough to sit through once. But, yeah, no, I mean, it was uh, – it was just a matter of you know, the Giants were class. I mean, obviously the yeah. Eagles are you know, the best team in the NFL, and they're rolling right now. Um, and the Giants just, you know, they, they certainly didn't bring their A game, and they needed yeah. to bring their A game to even have a chance. And it just, once it starts snowballing, it just it got out of hand fast because they're, they're not built to come from behind. And, I mean, again, the Eagles were just clicking, and the Giants were, you know, pretty banged up defensively. So they, really, they just had no answers. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Philly's, Philly's been, you know, I know the Commanders beat them. But Philly's been known to do that to teams this year, and uh, you know once they get rolling, they're pretty tough to stop. Yeah, something that's been difficult for the Giants to overcome here as of late, Dan, is the injury situation. Uh, they're missing guys in the secondary Sunday, I believe. You guys were without uh, Leonard Williams uh, heading into Sunday night's contest. How healthy do you expect the G-men to be? Yeah, I mean it's a great question. It's an important question because uh, Leonard Williams he played like the first half of that first Commanders game you know, two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, but he left there in that game and was out on Sunday. I think he'll be back. I mean it's funny he's been an Iron Man his first seven years, and all of a sudden this year now he's missed uh, missed three games early in the year with a knee, and now he missed Sunday with a neck. But I I think he'll be back. Uh, the bigger question is Adoree Jackson, who yeah. he sprained his MCL a couple weeks ago, so he's missed the last three games. Now, he at least returned to the practice field last week, didn't actually do anything, but the fact that he was out there is a sign that at least he's making some level of progress. I don't know if it'll be enough. You know, they don't practice again until tomorrow, so that'll be our first chance to see just how much progress he's made. At the same time, I mean, this game feels like it's kind of all hands on deck, so uh, if he's close, you would think he'll be in the lineup, and they've really missed him. Obviously, you saw what Terry McLaurin 
uh, did to Fabian Moreau in, in the previous matchup, and then with Philly, you know, they got two two number one receivers, and the Giants had no answers, so they desperately needed Dory Jackson back, and um, there's a chance that they will. So that that would go a long way to to help in their defense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you referenced the last matchup with the Commanders. I believe that was Taylor Heineke's season high in passing yards uh, on the season. So clearly, the secondary issues a must fix uh, for the G Men heading into Sunday night. Dan, what's happened to this football team, though, man? They started off seven and two, and now they sit here at seven five and one. Is it is it strictly based off of the injury situation, or, or is it something with the X's and O's that have changed? Yeah, I mean, there's a variety of factors. I actually did a story. Where I came up with ten, so there's, there's no shortage <laughs> of reasons. I wrote this morning on the Athletic, but it's it's. I mean, first and foremost, like the first point I made was regression was inevitable. I mean, this isn't like a great roster that's all of a sudden hit the skids. Like yeah. they overachieved so significantly when they got for that fast start. I mean, if you looked at anyone in August, was predicting this team went five, six, maybe for optimistic seven games. So the fact that they won, you know, seven, they started out seven and two. Uh, no one saw that coming, but you also felt like right. it was going to be really hard to maintain that they were winning all these one score games. You know, in this league that tends to even out. Uh, surely it has now when you add in some of the injuries, and they're just limited. They just don't have, you know, you look at this offense outside Saquon Barkley, like name a playmaker, let alone one that scares you. So um, it's hard to get by in this league, obviously, without talent. I mean, you just, you just look at what Washington has, um, with the running backs they have, the wide receivers they have. I mean, it's a significant advantage over what the Giants are, are dealing with right now. Yeah, talking more about this Giants offense, Dan, I want to talk about the quarterback position in Daniel Jones. He's somebody that I've been a huge fan of uh, ever since he entered the league. I feel like in your guys' market, he gets a bad rap because, you know, that's just the way the beast of the New York media is. Uh, assess his play uh, over over the, the start of the season and, and really during this losing streak that you guys have been on. Has it been on Daniel Jones, or do you feel like the rest of the supporting cast isn't helping him out enough? Yeah, well, it's funny. I'm not surprised someone in your market has been impressed because he's had his best game <laughs> right. against Washington. It's like <laughs> the one team that he's really uh, thrived against throughout his, against throughout his career. So yeah. uh, that doesn't surprise me. You have a, a favorable impression. So it's funny. Like He has been pretty steady this year, which is in some ways an improvement because he was kind of volatile in his career with a lot of the turnovers. He's really cut back on that. At the same time, it's such a chicken-and-the-egg thing with him where it's yeah. like, is it because of him or is it because of the weapons or is it because of the offensive line? And, you know, Obviously, in football, everything's interconnected, so it's really a combination of all those things. But I'll put it this way. He has not been their biggest problem. Like, that's for sure. I mean, again, like, he's literally throwing the guys off the street, a wide receiver. Uh, Saquon has not looked the same. And, you know, basically, Saquon and Daniel's struggles can probably be traced to the offensive line, which has really kind of sprung some holes here as the season's progressed. So uh, I think he's been fine, which, okay, that's great. But, like, if they're going to right this ship, he needs to be better than fine. Like, he needs to somehow find a way – to, to raise his level, raise these guys around him. And, that, and that's not, you know, that's going to be easier said than done, especially against good defenses like they've been facing lately. Uh, but that's what they need, and he hasn't quite shown that he can do that. And, and that's really what uh, the jury's still kind of out on his future here because of that. Dan, when the Giants jumped out to that 7-2 and two start, uh, everywhere on social media and, and on all the big-time sporting channels, you were seeing images of Brian Dable in the locker room and, all the talk was about how he was able to come in here and establish and, and change this culture right away. On the flip side of that coin, during this rough stretch, have you felt like the confidence level in Dable has wavered, or has he been the same guy uh, that he was since day one? I mean, he's pretty much been the same guy. I mean, obviously, these coaches, they don't handle losing well. Right. I, mean, I haven't met one yet that does. Right. Um, but, no, he's pretty much been consistent. And, and I will say to his credit, when they were winning – 
he wasn't like going crazy. I mean, you see him dancing in the locker room and stuff, but you know, publicly and I think to the team, he kind of tried to keep a pretty even keel. So that way, when adversity did hit, it was like, whoa, like you know, he's so different. Um, so I think that's kind of been his mo. I think he kind of knew right. that it probably wasn't going to go fifteen and two. Like there was going to be some rough patches, so he's kind of always bracing for that. I think the biggest difference and the thing he kind of got criticized for around here was you know, in that Washington game in overtime. You got fourth and three at the Washington forty-five, and he punts it away. And now listen, that might have been the right call because end up you know tying the game, had a chance to even kick that long field goal, and I think a tie was more beneficial um, to their playoff odds than if they had lost that game. Obviously, with a, a crushing right. blow where the win, you know, they had to execute a fourth and three play, which I understand we didn't have confidence. But in the opener, he galvanized this team and the fan base by going for two uh, when they you know scored late against Tennessee, and obviously they won that game. So you know he, he isn't quite going. Uh, letting it all hang out like you did early in the year. Because I think, you know, these guys kind of tighten up a little bit when you get to playoff time, and, and you, know, you don't want to blow a, an opportunity. So I think they just kind of settle like, okay, a tie is not the worst thing here. But uh, it wasn't that same, you know, guns blazing uh, approach that he came out with uh, to start this season. Joining us right now on the Team 980 Yes Hotline is Dan Duggan, Giants beat reporter for The Athletic. Uh, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at DDuggan21. Uh, we mentioned Brian Dable. He's the one on the staff that gets a lot of the credit uh, for for the Giants' seven and two start, I want to talk about defensive coordinator Wink Martindale in his first season at the helm, leading this Giants defense. We saw it firsthand, Dan, when we took on uh, the Giants a couple weeks back. His ability to create confusion along opposing teams' offensive line uh, is second to none, and he's got that defense that was already good, in my opinion, playing with a different type of swagger and energy. Uh, what have you seen since Wink's taken over? Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's totally accurate. I mean, I, I've you know you watch a lot of football. I've, I've never seen the way he's able to devise pressures. It's like I try and figure out what he's doing. I have no idea how these offensive linemen and quarterbacks know who's coming, who's not. You know, all these guys at the line, and he's just really good at scheming not only one on ones but unblocked rushes. I mean, I think back to that overtime play when Kayvon Thibodeau was you know probably their best pass rusher. He comes in unblocked, drilled Heineke in the back. I think that they still can't believe he held on to that right. ball. That, you know, that could have easily been a, a fumble there for a, either a touchdown or a safety to, to win that game. But he just does that consistently. And, I mean, he doesn't have a ton to work with here, especially when you talk about the injuries. So, listen, like, when they've played really good offenses like the Cowboys and the Eagles, obviously it's just been hard for them to match up. But if you look at, you know, week in and week out, uh, they're not giving up a ton of points. They're, he's keeping them in these games. I think it's just a lot for opposing offenses, like, you know, there'll be stretches. I mean, I know Washington had one in the game oh, you know, a week ago where the offense just kind of idles for a while because he's just throwing so much junk at them, and it gets you out of your rhythm. Uh, I think what Washington did and what teams have had success really is just running the ball. I mean, if you can do that, that's probably your best answer because the run defense isn't great, and you don't want to end up you know, trying to throw it a lot against him because he just finds ways to, to get offenses out, you know, out of the rhythm just with the pressures and, the, and kind of the crazy looks he throws at them throughout the game. Dan, from your vantage point, Washington with the one and four start. There's six one and one uh, since that point. What scares you the most uh, heading into Sunday night? And what, in your mind, uh, has been the biggest reason for Washington's turnaround? Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a mirror image of the Giants where yeah. they, they started started slow. I mean, because it's funny when you're looking at playoff odds, it wasn't really looking at Washington. All of a sudden, you know, that, that first matchup, you know, started creeping up on us. Like, wait a second, there's another team here the Giants have to hold off. Um, yeah. I think the two position groups. To line up with two of the Giants' biggest weaknesses would scare me the most, and that's Washington's wide receivers because we saw what they did in the first matchup. They really didn't have an answer for any of those guys. So uh, if Adore Jackson's uh, not back in the lineup, I'm not quite sure how, you know, that Fabian Moreau, Terry McLaurin matchup did not work out, as I said. So I'm not sure what their answer is there because Wink, the one thing he's going to do, 
you blitz that much, you're going to play man behind it. So you need guys like Adore Jackson who can match up with number one receivers. So uh, that's definitely a concern. And on the other side of the ball, I mean, obviously that Washington defensive line is, is formidable. And the Giants offensive line, like I said, is pretty leaky. So uh, that's the thing that can really get the Giants, you know, kind of off kilter. If they can't give Jones some time back there, if they can't open holes for Saquon Barkley, Obviously, nothing's really going to work, and and you know, like, as I said, they've they've run into some these NFC defensive lines are really good, yeah. <laughs> and that's coincided with these struggles where you know this this offensive line has really been overmatched in some of these matchups. Dan, I apologize for this. It's the media member in me, man. I can't help but look ahead for both of these football teams. <laughs> we'll start with the Giants. This remaining four game stretch that they have uh, is that in your mind going to be the deciding factor as to what they end up doing at quarterback this offseason? Uh, they declined to pick up the fifth-year option of Daniel Jones. I believe he is an unrestricted free agent uh, right. come, come the summer. What do you end up – what do you predict happening in that situation? And do you think the remaining four games is a big decider in that? Yeah, I do because, I mean, Joe Shane, the GM, spoke at the midway point at their bye, and he was asked about you know extending certain guys like Saquon Barkley, and he definitely indicated he's open to doing that. But Daniel Jones, there was no talk to his, um, his representatives when you know when asked about Jones, he kind of just said like, "Listen, there's still nine games to go. Like it, it's clearly going to be a season-long evaluation." So uh, I don't think they're leaning necessarily one way or the other. And I don't know. I mean, I think these next four games, you know, potentially could sway them if they, you know, they bought them out going forward. Probably makes the decision easier if they get in the playoffs and you know anything can happen there. That that actually helps Jones's case. But I do go back to that point you made. You know, they came in, they had three years of tape to watch. The fifth-year option was about $20 million. They declined it. So he was kind of always, you know, facing an uphill battle here to win them over, in my opinion. Like, right. he had to show them enough to make them realize, hey, that was a mistake. This guy's worth it. I, like I said, he's been fine this year. I don't know that he's done enough to sway them. But then the other question there is, okay, so you don't, you don't love Daniel Jones, but who's your replacement option? Are you going to roll with Tyrod Taylor? Are you going to, you know, get a quarterback if they're drafted? Like, let's just say around 20 yeah. Um, it's it's going to be very interesting. It's, it's trust me, it's the biggest topic that I've been thinking about for the last you know nine months since these guys <laughs> came in, and it's going to dominate um, everything really as we get into the off season. But no, I think these next four games, uh, the beauty of it, a lot of it is in Daniel Jones's hands. If they you know rip off four straight wins and win a playoff game, then hey, they got no choice but to bring him back. Joining us right now is Dan Duggan, Giants beat reporter for the Athletic. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at dduggan21. Dan, I saw you going back and forth with a fan earlier this morning. Uh, about the Kenny Galladay situation. Uh, can you explain that for the D.C. folks here in a nutshell and how strange that's been uh, from your vantage point? I don't know how many other teams you've covered in your career, but have you ever seen a free agent debacle signing like this? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I've been on the Giants for seven years, so Nate Solder gives him you know, maybe a run for his money. But <laughs> Nate, Nate Solder at least was, yeah. you, know, he, you know, he played every week. And, like, I don't know, like – he was he was a tier below Galladay because I mean Galladay they get seventy two million dollars and he he literally still does not have a touchdown in a Giants uniform yeah. like it's been an unmitigated disaster he's been injured he's been in and out of the lineup uh, but yeah so with the, the fan on Twitter it's like they're asking like why they don't get Galladay the ball and my point is just like it's over like it's not gonna happen <laughs> he's, like I said they're literally starting guys off the street and Galladay you know he can't even get on the field he's playing a handful of snaps here a handful of snaps there. Uh, he just has no juice left. I mean, I know he had some injuries in Detroit. Obviously, the hip injury was the big one, which, you know, you question what the Giants doctor saw there because it seems like he's just shot. And, you know, giving him that kind of contract coming off that injury was, was certainly questionable. Right. So, I mean, this regime, if they could have cut him last offseason, they would have. It's just the cap made it, you know, prohibitive to do so. But uh, the first opportunity they get, he will be gone after this season. So that's why I was just kind of uh, kind of tired of hearing the Kenny Galladay questions because we've given him opportunities this year and he yeah. has not taken advantage. So I think it's time everyone just kind of moves on. 
As you mentioned, man, if this was if there was ever a moment for Kenny Galladay to come to life, this is it. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins? I don't know who the right, heck that right. is. Two straight weeks with a touchdown, though. So clearly Giants going with some guys off the street at the wideout position, but it's working for him, I guess. Uh Dan Duggan joining us right now via the Team 980 guest hotline. Follow him on Twitter at DDuggan21. Dan, I'll let you go on this, my friend. Put your magic genie cap on, so to speak. <laughs> what do you see happening Sunday night? Man, it's like, you know, they, they tied the last time, so it's about <laughs> as much of a coin flip as you can have, right? right. Uh, it's, it's one thing to say teams evenly match, but we literally have 70 minutes of evidence to back that up. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I mean, it feels crazy, especially when you mentioned, you know, the, the run Washington's been on uh, compared to kind of the tailspin the Giants have been in. I just have a funny feeling the Giants are going to uh, find a way to pull this game out. I know it's, you know, it's the deck stack against them. They should have won that game at home because now you're getting one on the road. Uh, Daniel Jones has not been in or won a lot of big games in his career. I just have a funny feeling that they're going to find a way to pull it out. I'm sure it'll be close. I mean, I'm guessing it'll be very similar to the first yeah. matchup. Um, but I don't know. I mean, after I just dumped on the team for 20 minutes here, I still somehow... <laughs> Think they're going to find a way. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm that, still kind of buying it. If, if that doesn't say sound like a reporter who's been in the market for seven years, then I don't know what else. Does. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. Know, maybe I feel like they just have some little magic from no, that, I feel that, that start that I'm I'm still buying into that they'll somehow conjure up because it definitely has been a rough patch. But uh, kind of now or never. And for some reason, I just think they'll pull through. But I definitely think it'll be a close game, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's a field goal either way. To piggyback off of what you said, this is kind of I'm by the way on the record and. Coin flip for me as well. I don't know who the hell I'm going to end up eventually picking uh, on Friday when I have to. But it just feels like to me, you kind of just alluded to it, the Giants are the more desperate team right now, it feels like. Their backs are against the wall. They're coming off a ugly loss uh, last weekend. I feel like emotions are going to be high. And maybe it's the wounded warrior effect. All the cards are stacked up against you. You're going into enemy territory in a primetime, nationally televised game. Maybe the Giants do pull it out. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's going to be a lot of fun either way because, right. I mean, again, I've been on the beat seven years, haven't covered a lot of big games, and this is essentially <laughs> a playoff game. I think the, right. the winner of this goes a long way to clinching a bird. I think the loser is, is going to be really in trouble or you start having to scoreboard watch with, like, Seattle and Detroit. But I think if you win this game on Sunday, put yourself in really good position. So uh, the stakes are high, and, listen, that's all we can ask for on the outside. It's going to be fun as hell to watch. Right, definitely. Uh, Dan, before, before I let you go, let's look big picture here for a second. If you had to pick two teams to represent the AFC and the NFC in the Super Bowl right now, who would your Super Bowl matchup be? Well, maybe a little recency bias, but tough right. for me to pick against Philly. Uh, right. They look pretty <laughs> darn good on Sunday. Right. So uh, I think, you know, but, you know, I think Dallas and San Francisco might have something to say about that, but uh, really tough for me to go against Philly. And then, look, I think we all can hope that there's another, another Buffalo-Kansas City uh, right. you know, playoff rematch. And uh, I think I'll give the slight edge to Buffalo, but um, you know, listen, if we get that matchup again, I think we'll all be winners because that was such a great game last right. year. But I think, yeah, I think a, a Philly, uh, Philly-Buffalo Philly Super Bowl would be pretty fun. All right, Dan, I appreciate, appreciate you giving me some time, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. Enjoy the game on Sunday. You too, buddy. That is Dan Duggan, Giants beat writer for The Athletic. Uh, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at DDuggan21. He wrote a hell of a story earlier this morning uh, performing an autopsy uh, on the New York Giants. After their loss Sunday, make sure you check out his work in The Athletic. Uh, follow me on Twitter at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. I just retweeted uh, his story from this morning. So if you want to get even more in-depth uh, about this Sunday's opponent, the New York Giants, make sure you read Dan Duggan's story via The Athletic. We've got to take a quick timeout. When we come back, the head coach of the Washington Commanders, Ron Rivera, addressed the D.C. media about a half hour ago. We'll let you hear that in its entirety next.
the Burgundy and Gold today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Big thanks to Dan Duggan of The Athletic for joining the program. If you missed any of that conversation, you're in luck if you have the Odyssey app. Make sure you use the Odyssey Rewind feature. Go back to the top of the 2 o'clock hour for my conversation with Dan Duggan. And make sure you read the story that he wrote via The Athletic. I just retweeted it on my Twitter, at N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. did an autopsy on the New York football giants trying to explain What's gone wrong with that football team? They jumped out to a 7-2 and start. Now clearly heading into Sunday night's game, 7-6-1. As we were talking about Eminem, this is a winner-go-home situation for the New York Giants. Washington in the same predicament. From your vantage point, being another young fan like myself, like we're pretty hyped, to say the least, going into Sunday night. I am siced. Yeah. Like, it has been years. When you say years, can you get specific for me? When's the last time you really felt like this? Like going into a game, I got two options. I, I think 2012 RG3 Sunday Night Football against Dallas was huge, and then man, that um the winner the winner go home game against the Giants in Week 17 that you mentioned. Yeah, the Week 17 game. I just I think honestly maybe the the 2012 Seahawks because the difference between the, right. the Week 17 is not only do I think we can win this game. I think if we win, if and when we win this game, we will go on a run. And right. that's the most exciting thing because when we played in 2012 against the Seahawks, it was like if we win that game, we're rolling. Yeah. And that's how I feel about this. It's not just, okay, let's win and go to the playoffs and get blasted in the first round. It's let's start humming this week. Yeah, and I, I believe in that season, the Seahawks end up going all the way to the NFC Championship and they end up losing to the Packers or who they, I forgot who they end up losing to. Um, but they went far. I remember the game against Atlanta that they end up playing. I mean, it was it was a special season, and I agree with you. If Washington handles their business Sunday night, the narrative here locally, the conversation here locally is much different. We're already leaning towards getting silly, but I'm at the point right now where it's like, man, I keep saying it. Defensively, you're playing at the championship level, in my opinion. If we could just get average – Average production out of the offense. You know what they say, Eminem. Once you get in the dance, that's all that matters. 100%, man. I just think in, in later in the season, this is where we need to rely on big-time players. Like, I know you said who has the yep. most pressure. I agree, Taylor Heineke, Scott Turner. But in these weeks, we should really be relying on Taylor or uh, Terry McLaurin, Brian Robinson, John Allen. I need big-time players to make big-time plays if we want to make this playoff push. Oh, yeah. Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time situations. Uh, Eminem summing it up perfectly there. Uh, I've been teasing this all show long here. Plenty of nuggets uh, in Ron Rivera's press conference. We'll let you hear that here in a second. This is head coach Ron Rivera. Speaking of the D.C. media, the commanders have a walkthrough later today, so no official practice, but this is the latest from the head coach. Uh, treatment with the uh, foot issue. We'll monitor it. Uh, Trey, this was good timing for a buy for him. 
He got a lot of rest and treatment on, on, on his leg, so he should be fine. Uh, we should see him out on the walkthrough today, and we'll see how he is tomorrow morning. And then Chase has continued to progress. Uh, he did a lot of work these last few days and has had some really good days and seems to be pretty confident. We'll see how he progresses, but uh, he's he is trending in the right direction. And then what's when you look at the last game playing the Giants again so quick, is there one thing you say this has to, you know, if this happens, then you guys can win that game? Like, what's one thing that you say this has to happen after watching that first game and going through it? Well, I think, you know, just just from the things that we got from the game is, you know, we, we have to do a, a better job at uh, containing their quarterback. You know, Daniel's done a nice job. He's, he's an elusive runner. He's got a good arm, can make pretty much uh, any of the throws. And, um, you know, we've got to be able to, 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 to counter him. Um, you know, we got to be good against the run. Uh, you know, I think that helps us a, a lot. And uh, then when they throw the ball, we got to make sure we're good in coverage. With Jamin, is that something that could potentially keep him out Sunday or? No, no, he, he's been dealing with it um, for the last few weeks. And uh, so this was timed perfectly with the bye. They have the procedure and then for him to, um, you know, have a full week of recovery and then be able to get back out on the football field uh, come tomorrow, hopefully. And with this being such a big game, you know, in the past, you've kind of, you know, going to the all white uniforms and kind of embracing the moment that you guys are in wondering, are you kind of doing anything similar for, for this game or how are you kind of approaching that, you know, so much of your guys playoff chances are kind of tied to the result of this game? Um, now, for the most part, we're just talking about the significance of it, this, this to the guys, just how important it is, the opportunity that they've they've created for themselves, the way the guys have done the things that you know they've needed to do to, to get us to this point, um, you know, to be a to be to be a um, two wins above five hundred. That um, this is an opportunity, and we've got to focus in on, and you know, this is the most important game we will play uh, as of now. And big reason is because it's the one we're about to play. So we will try to keep our focus solely on that. How much will the bye be able to help you? And what have you seen from your guys just as they've been coming back early so far? Well, I, I think the one neat thing is um, is uh, we had a number of guys that stayed around, a number of guys that came in on, on Thursday and Friday. Uh, we closed the facility down on Saturday, Sunday. Um, and then on Monday, yesterday, there were several guys. I mean, more than I'd say about half the guys, if not more, came in. Um, and what we had done was we gave them an extra day. We had them work till Wednesday. We gave them the extra day uh, on Monday and basically traded them Monday for Tuesday. I mean, we, you know, we could have brought them in on Monday, had them do the light workout that we're going to have them do. But in talking with some of their leadership guys, you know, if they, they felt if they could get the extra day in a row, give guys a, a day to travel and get back and settle in, that um, you know they'd be more than happy to come in on Tuesday. So we made the swap. And so we'll do like we've done. And for the most part, we've done this type of routine the last few weeks is we brought them in on Tuesday after one o'clock. We've had meetings and then we'll do a little walkthrough and installation, uh, early introduction. And then we start in earnest on Wednesday. 
where we give them the full report going in and then start the regular routine as far as practices are concerned. So it's a chance to get us a little bit of, uh, give guys a little more time off, um, which they've handled very well. I'm very pleased with the way they handled it. We had uh, everybody in, uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed uh, at one o'clock today. I just finished my team meeting with them. Um, and the guys seemed pretty spry, pretty relaxed. And um, it was kind of cool. We talked about focusing in now on, on our opponent. And uh, they, you know, I think they're they're going to respond. And, you know, I'm pretty excited about it. This seems similar to what you did for Thanksgiving. When did you kind of get that sense? And when did you start to show the confidence in the group to maybe give them a little bit more time in their schedule? I think because of the way they've handled it, you know, Sam, they, they, you know, they, they've been really professional about it. Their attitude seems to be the right type of attitude in terms of the way they prepare. Um, you know, we had guys came in early today. Um, our rookies actually had to do a, a our, our first and second and third year guys had to do um, 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 one of the classes that Malcolm has set up for him, uh, you know, as our director of player development. So the, the young guys had to do it, but we had a number of the veterans that come in early today and they got their, their first lift in of the week. Um, and so that was good to see. Uh, and then um, at one o'clock, well, we had a whole bunch of people in for lunch already. So that was good. So you could see that they kind of get it and understand. And, and it's about their time management. And they're handling that very well, the way they're managing their time. Um, and that's been a, that's been another big reason as to why, you know, I was I was willing to switch it with them uh, to give them a little more time. Commanders head coach Ron Rivera speaking to the D.C. media earlier today. It's the Burgundy of Gold today here on the Team 980. Ron, when you look back to the team's turnaround over the season, you know how important has the development of the secondary and the young guys back there been to that? I, I think that's been a big boost to it, you know, because having that group of guys back there in sync um, and I think having them communicate and play the way they have, it's really helped. Uh, us as a whole in terms of defensively uh, they're in sync with the pass rush um, you know and and they seem to have a feel for 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 how each other works and because of that you know we've had some moving parts with 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 some guys with the injuries um, you know we've been able to plug other guys in that that are ready to go and and we've been you know we've gotten a boost from that I believe um, I think it's important um, also having those young, fresh bodies out there because, you know, they, they, they're, they're a little different. They're, they're athletic, they're fast, they're, they're twitchy, um, and, and they're, they're more than willing. I mean, this, that's one of the huge pluses for us. And where do things stand with Chase Young for this week? Um, Chase has had a good few days. Um, last week he did a lot of work. Um, and then saw him this morning, uh, had a nice chance to talk with him. I think he's in a good place right now. And uh, I think he's, he should have, uh, you know, one of those things where he progresses and ramps himself up and uh, up into to the weekend. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. Hey, Ron, you've been in a lot of these late December kind of pre-playoff games with, with a young team like this. How do they react to what are kind of de facto playoff games? Are, are they mentally ready for that? Well, that we'll see. I mean, in all honesty, JP, we will see. I mean, that, that's what that's what this game will serve for us to see where our young guys are, uh, how our young guys handle this situation, circumstances. I think that's a great question because when you look at, at, at as many of the young guys that we will play in this game, 
uh, for some of them, this is their first real experience and, and they'll have to rely on some of the veteran guys, you know, um, our young receivers can rely on Terry, our, our young uh, defensive players can rely on Jonathan and Duran and, the, and, and those guys that have been through this Bobby and, you know, and, and Cam. And these guys can be the voices of experience and help these guys through this situation. Um, because you're right, this this for us, for the most part, is is a playoff atmosphere for the next four weeks and hopefully for the next uh, nine would be cool. For Ron, um, there's a the uh, offensive line. Uh, obviously, the offensive line is what it is at this point. What What are some ways you can lean on on Taylor to kind of, you know, work work through that and, and help that group out? Well, you know, with Taylor, you know, as with pretty much any quarterback, is is again their their ability to to move and slide within the pocket um, that helps them um, in in terms of pass protection. But I think if you're going to help, you got to be able to run the football, and 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 be able to take it downhill and be physical, and and then offset that with good play action, um, and and be aware of putting yourself more in third and short than than third and long. I mean, that's the last thing you want to do is be in passing situations, and have a long way to go. So I think Michael, that the best thing we can do is, you know, really be able to run the ball successfully or just be really good on first and second down, whether you're throwing the ball quickly and getting it out of the quarterback's hands um, or you're going play action uh, or you're running it. Uh, you you have to be efficient. To kind of build on that a little bit, Taylor's been so good in the tempo offense, the two minute, but that it seems like in a lot of ways that isn't who you are in your identity. You know, you guys are using big chunks of the clock. How do you balance those two things? Well, part of, you know, you, 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 you have to, you know, be aware of what you're trying to do and how does it impact the other 10 guys? You know, we, we've got some young guys that are out there. We've got a little bit of mix in our offensive line um, and some young skill guys that, you know, getting ahead of them could be detrimental too. So we have to try and make sure that some of the things that, that Scott scripts, some of the stuff that, that, that he plans when we do some of the tempo stuff, um, is is with the right group of guys, and, and it fits what we're trying to do. It's Commander's head coach Ron Rivera speaking to the D.C. media earlier today, right here on the Burgundy and Gold today. Hey, Ron. Um, there's obviously the goal right now is to do what you guys can to make the playoffs, but also there's once you get to the playoffs, you want to be able to make some noise, and I imagine sometimes decisions for both are not always equal have you ever in the you recall a time in the past where you're trying to raise the ceiling of the team while simultaneously trying to just get through the next moment oh yeah (laughs) um you know 2014 we went through it and then 2020 we went through it um you know just trying to put ourselves in position to to come down and and we went through it last year until we got whacked by covid but you try to get yourself in this position you know if, if you're not you know, if, if you're not like Philadelphia, where you, you put yourself in position to clinch early, um, but now you put yourself in position where you've got to compete weekly, um, that's the balance is that you've got to make sure you can stay focused on what each game means and hopefully you can win. And then you don't have to sit there and try and map out and say, okay, because if you lose, you got to map out what's happening in front of you, what's happening, you know, with the other teams and the other divisions. Um, you know, for us, it's if we take care of business, we put ourselves in position. And that's the thing that, that we've had to do. 
Um, I went through it again, as I said, in 2014 and 2020. Um, and in both those circumstances, we were, we were fortunate enough to be in a position that if we took care of our business, we control our own destiny. Two more. Is there an example from 2020 of where you had to weigh the moment versus, you know, putting your team in the best position should you be in the playoffs? Oh yeah, I mean, just getting ready to go on that 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 four game stretch, starting with Pittsburgh. I mean, you know, we go to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, um, you know, we 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 changed our schedule to help accommodate you know what had happened between Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and and yet we still had to think about the next game. You know, getting ready for for San Francisco, which we went to Arizona to play, and and you start thinking about you know, hey, you know, do we want to start playing young guys? And see what we have, or hey, we got a legitimate shot here because nobody's taken the reins, and that's what happened in 2014. It was the same thing, you know. We we were in, with Minnesota playing Minnesota in Minnesota. We lose, and I sat down with the coaches and said, "Look, I, I want to get rid of, I want to release these veteran guys because I want to play these young guys," um, you know. And then getting into 2020 here and you're you're at Pittsburgh and you're sitting there saying you know we got a group of guys we got to play we got to find out about them but at the same time we got a chance to win and if we win you know we control our own circumstances and that's what happened so we just continued with that mentality is that we'll play the young guys but we're also aware of the fact that we have a chance and so we continue to do that this is our first time talking to you since the congressional report about the team and Dan Snyder dropped last week. Uh, what did you make of all that when it came out? Cool. Um, you know, I was um, honestly, I wasn't around. <laughs> I was I went back to visit my father. And so when all that came out, you know, I just like I said, I just said, well, cool. OK, here we go. But, um, you know, I'm trying to tie it into the fact that every time something like this drops or happens, it's been a plus for our guys because they focus in on on. Uh, what our next task at hand is, and that's to, to, to be the best football team we can be. And that's kind of what we've talked about with these guys is that we're focused in on what's important. And, and so, Pete, we're going we're gonna to stay on, on, on getting ready for uh, the Giants. Thank you, and Coach. Pete, you got the last one? You got one more? Yeah, in the, there's a lot of transcripts there where Dan mentions you as, as a key figure in this cultural transformation. Do you like having that pressure and being a guy that Dan always references as like one of the main people who are guiding this franchise forward after 20 years of alleged, you know, issues? No, because to be very honest, that was one of the things that he said to me when, when he and I first sat down, he said, coach, I need you to help me change and transform this culture. And that's one of the things that I really appreciated was his honesty he said, we have some things that need to be straightened out. And um, I believe you're a guy that can help us. So I went in this with eyes wide open. I went in this prepared to do the best I can. And, and hopefully in several years from now, uh, when it's time for me to move on, I, I, I left it better than I found it. And, and that's going to be my attitude. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Because uh, as I said, the thing that I really appreciated and, and, when, when I first met with him, my wife was with me, Stephanie and I, we had dinner with, with he and Mrs. Snyder, and they were very honest, very open, and very upfront. And because they laid it out there, I knew that this was, you know, this was going to be what I was here to do, and that was to help transform, change things, um, and hopefully bring a sustainable winning culture to this, to this organization. That's what we're trying to do. 
Hey, Thank you, Coach. Hey, Ron, right. this is a quick question. We didn't ask you about Carson since you got and you guys oh, just obviously activated. Yeah. What's his status and uh, how has he looked? He's he's looked good. He he had he's had a couple of good weeks of of work. Um, the first week he was on the side. The second week he was integrated into to some of the offense, uh, some of the defensive stuff. Um, uh, he threw with uh, the receivers, and uh, then last week he was off. And so you know we chose not to make the move last week, and then we made the move uh, this uh, yesterday um, to activate him. And I uh, think everything should go accordingly. He will be the, he will be the primary backup going into this game and we'll go from there. All right. Thanks coach. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank, Thank you. That is commander's head coach, Ron Rivera addressing the DC media earlier today. A lot to unpack uh, from that sit down. We'll do that. Plus put a ball on the show next. This is team 980. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Just heard from head coach Ron Rivera a couple minutes ago. And boy, a lot to unpack from that. I'm sure coming up at 3 o'clock on the Hoffman Show, it'll be a lot of what Ron Rivera had to say. I want to, before we get out of here, I want to focus on one specific thing that he did say. Uh, We're talking about Chase Young. There was an excerpt, actually, that was dropped. I'm trying to scroll and find it on my Twitter timeline here real quick. I believe it was Nikki Javala, our friend uh, from the Washington Post, that had the exact quote from Ron Rivera. He was asked once again about the status of Chase Young uh, going into tonight's game. He said, Chase has continued to progress He did a lot of work these last few days and had some really good days and seems to be pretty confident. We'll see how the progress, we'll see how he progresses, but he is definitely trending in the right direction. I would say that is the most optimistic we've heard Ron Rivera sound uh, when talking about Chase Young. The thing that really stood out to me is in terms of words that he used was confidence, right? Because we've known all along here for the past month or so. It has not been a structural issue for Chase Young as to why he hasn't been able to make his season debut. It's been about his lack of confidence and trust uh, in that knee. So Ron Rivera saying that Chase Young is confident in the knee uh, going in to Sunday's game. He said he's trending in the right direction. I'm not going to hold my breath on it. I will say I am a little bit more optimistic than I have been in the past couple of weeks. Before we get out of here, Eminem, the commanders uh, and their social media team on Twitter I uh, had a pretty interesting game that they were playing before the bye week. They were playing, I believe it was, what was their most controversial food takes? I believe it was, Mike. So we'll let you hear that here uh, in a second. Mike, let me know when you got it ready. The Commanders having some fun before the bye week. What is your most controversial food take? Food does not slap. It smacks. I love banana peppers on pizza. Yeah, I would say 
Pineapple bacon pizza. My most controversial yeah, food take is I hate warm dessert. I also hate breakfast for dinner. Southern California Mexican food, especially for burritos, like California burritos, that's the place to be. Tex-Mex, East Coast Mexican food, that's not it. I like to put pineapple on my lemonade. I can't order a steak without it being what's called Pittsburgh style. Tomatoes should be gone up everyone's place. You know what people should try? I don't know if everybody do it, but mac and cheese and baked beans mix that together. Apple pie is nasty. Disgusting. Pineapple doesn't belong on pizza. Ketchup doesn't belong on pizza. Pineapple definitely belongs on pizza. And so does Texas Pete. Red meat sucks. Sushi is overrated. If sushi's not cooked, it's not, it's not for me at all. Pineapple belongs on pizza, for sure. That was some of the commanders before the bye week giving the most controversial food takes. If you follow me on Twitter, at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. I'll retweet that so you can put uh, names and faces to the voices that you just heard. That's going to do it here on this Tuesday edition of the Burgundy and Gold today. Back with you tomorrow starting at noon, 1 o'clock. Ben Standing of the Athletic Joins the Program. See you next time. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.